Welcome to Bill Roden on Sports. Taking you inside clubhouses, locker rooms, and boardrooms. Legendary sports columnist Bill Roden gets inside the heads and beneath the veneer of the men and women who play and own the games we love. Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another scintillating edition of Bill Roden on, on Sports. Uh, my friend, Nicole, to my right, uh, Jamal, damn, Murphy. <laughs> Jamal Murphy. <laughs> well, you know what? I don't know, man. This is, I'm like really monitoring myself. You know, like things like, as long as you and I have known each other, I'm like, you get these introductions and I get like this blank. And I don't know <laughs> what the hell that means. Does it mean I'm just pre- rehearsing for this? Yeah. I'm, st- yeah. I'm still Jamal Murphy. It's okay. I'm, right. here. I'm here as usual. <laughs> hey, Jamal. Uh, and... Um, of course, uh, producer Pat in the background, and we really have two really, really, really uh, special guests. I mean, that's one of the great things about, as I keep telling you about uh, these podcasts, which I like to call Bill Roden and Friends, because it really gives me an opportunity to talk to a lot of friends who I've had, I've known for like years and years and years, and a lot of times we have these drive-by conversations, you know, most of which never see the light of day, you know. Um, but these these uh, podcasts have allowed me to have some really good friends in the business and just to talk about stuff. So today, I uh, was really a uh, good friend, uh, great administrator, uh, great Stan Wilcox, who's the athletic director at Florida, Florida State, one of 11 uh, brothers. In the, but um, uh, Stan Wilcox uh, has been the athletic director at Florida State uh, for since 2013, is that correct? That's correct. Since 2013, where he came uh, from Duke, from Duke, where he was the um, uh, deputy, the, the deputy athletic director, kind of in charge of football and keeping Shashevsky in line. We'll talk about that relationship <laughs> and um, to stand and, and stand and sitting in back of stand, making sure he doesn't say the wrong thing. <laughs> Carl Hicks, who's the deputy director of athletics for external operations at Florida State. So welcome, guys. Well, it's really great having you both here. You're in the back, but you can say something, Carl, just so you can say. So I'm not making it up that you're actually here. I'm here. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Hey, uh, Stan, welcome, man. Well, thank you for having us, Bill. You know, uh, our relationship does go back many years, back to our Big East days. And uh, I remember uh, us getting together after games and going and having dinner together That's and right. sitting and talking about the world of sports. and. And all the different challenges we had back then, and it uh, seems right. that uh, those challenges continue to uh, oh, uh, kind of evolve and develop. You know, yeah. but uh, it is so so good to have someone such as yourself, a friend, is, uh, having a friend like you to be able to you know talk about some of these issues and uh, have other people to come around and be able to talk to to you about those issues. Yeah, you and I see you you and. Uh, you had uh, at Leonard, <laughs> Leonard Howard. <laughs> you know, Leonard is head. Now, if Leonard was here, no telling where this conversation would go. <laughs> because Leonard Hamilton is is uh, the great Leonard Hamilton, the basketball coach at oh, Florida, yeah. Florida State. Man, you talk about a book, man. This yeah. this guy, man. This well, guy. then that that also goes back to our days when we we're at the Final Fours, and right. uh, we would have, uh, oh, have that's those, right, uh, that's right, closed doors uh, meeting. Oh, with brother, some man. of the coaches and uh, BCA right. representatives. You were the, you, yes. I forgot, man, because yeah, you yeah, you yeah, actually yeah. for a time you were the executive director, right, uh, I, of, well, of the Black Coaches Association. I, I, was, I was the president at the, the time. president. Yeah. 
Yep, uh, yep. Uh, Floyd Keith was uh, the executive director at that time and uh, uh, did a lot of good things and, you know, had a lot of uh, good conversations and uh, heated uh, right. <laughs> debates on issues. But, right. uh, you know, it's it was great, uh, you know, having to, to go through those things and... Uh, being able to work with you know people like John Thompson mm. and Cheney and Raveling, mm. you know those guys. Those were classic. Paving the way and uh, you know setting setting the the stage for for individuals such as myself to be able to be where I'm at right now. Do you remember your first um, for people who um, you know we have millions of followers in this thing, yet, <laughs> you know, but for people who don't know. Uh, describe those. You know, it was sort of a uh, it was a it was a, a, a traditional Final Four. Uh, tradition yeah. when the black uh, black coaches and administrators and black reporters yes. would uh, would get together and wherever we were yeah. and we have these these, oh, these yeah. sessions. Would you do you remember uh, when when your first one was? Oh, I I don't know if I remember where my first one was, <laughs> but I, I you know I I, I clearly remember uh you know how uh, at certain times in, in any of those conversations you know john would be sitting back in the cut and listening right. to everybody and then all of a sudden john, right. you know kind of gets up pulls up his right. belt and so, it was it was on john just put everybody he said he laid down the law this is the way it is right. you guys you you're not doing this and you right. need to be doing this that's right, right. that's right he was and we took our marching orders and That's listen right. to him and you know because you know he was he's the pioneer out there he, That's right. he was the one that really opened the doors uh, for uh, more African American head coaches in basketball to be hired uh, right. because uh, not for him winning the, the national title you know uh, we, we'd still be struggling uh, struggling right. a lot more right. and reporters yeah. a lot of a lot of reporters man a whole bunch of, like Wilbon yeah. Burwell me, whole bunch of reporters black reporters because you know because you know the, the, the editors white editors well, they need somebody to decode John. They said, "Well, <laughs> all right," and they would say, "Really? That's why all these brothers, man, if you follow George, George Champ, I have more black reporters following them than any other beat." You know, oh man! And remember, you're talking about those meetings, yeah. John. But who who else were the voices of, of reason? Who are his lieutenants? Well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> John Cheney, yeah, right. George Rowley was right. there. No, Nolan, and Nolan, no less right. Wow. Nolan Richardson, yeah, bunch they, of Hall of Famers. Oh yeah. man, those. Oh. it was just you know great being around those kind of guys. Those guys, those those were the pioneers, and you know they they gave their time to us. You know they they gave their time to talk about their struggles, and uh, you know and they went through a lot, and uh, we were kind of somewhat the beneficiaries of some of the things that they went through. Yeah. Do you remember what what position you were? Uh, because you've had a long, you know. I, I, I started by saying you're the, uh, you're the athletic director at, at Florida State. But shucks, man, you've been doing. You've almost run the whole gamut of of, of NCAA. Right. Uh, admit, I mean, you've done the whole thing, but we might as well do it now. I mean, what, what, what did you? Well, uh, I'll. I'll uh, He's a lawyer, by the way. But what, right. yeah, yeah, I have to give a shout out to Brooklyn Law School, you right, know, because right. uh, you know that BLS. Uh, yes, yes, BLS. <laughs> <laughs> not and not the WBLS. <laughs> not the WBLS. Whatever. The, I don't know what that. Oh, the, that's the radio. Yeah, the radio station. station. Okay, you got me. That's old school too. Right. No, I'm old school. <laughs> for better, for worse. But uh, I started out as a, you know, as an athlete. I was a, a basketball player coming out of Long Island, North Babylon, uh, Long Island, and mm. uh, 
got recruited by uh, a lot of the top institutions and ended up going to Notre Dame, playing uh, Notre Dame for four years. And uh, I was on the only team that ever went to the Final Four for mm-hmm. Notre Dame. And, you know, that's uh, with uh, Kelly Trapuca and Orlando Woolridge, Tracy mm-hmm. Jackson, and mm-hmm. Bill Lambier, and, and, th- and that, those crew. And that, that, that kind of set the groundwork for, I guess, uh, what was to be uh, my future in sports. You know, mm-hmm. I started out as an athlete. And uh, as an athlete, you take in uh, certain types of uh, of things that you gather from your experience that you see that goes on around. Um, you don't know a lot of things that are going on behind the scenes, but you know it's it it's there. You know you you recognize that uh, you know the head coaches have certain kind of authority. You have that there's administration that has authorities authority, and as well as obviously the presidents, and then. Uh, from there, moving on, you know, you just, uh, I was just like any other athlete after they finished playing, trying to figure out what they want to do with their lives, you mm. know, where am I going to go, what career am I mm. going to get into, and uh, I was fortunate uh, to um, uh, actually uh, work for uh, an individual whose father was a former Supreme Court Justice in Brooklyn, mm. and he was uh, in an uh, insurance brokerage firm uh, downtown by Wall Street, uh, uh, and his name is No Joe Monticello, and mm. he uh, his partner was an individual by the name of Meade Esposito, who was the oh, Brooklyn yeah, Borough yeah, President yeah, for absolutely. many many years. Yeah. And uh, they took a liking to me, and uh, I got I was fortunate enough to get an interview with the head administrative judge of the Brooklyn Supreme Court, and uh, got hired as a senior court analyst. I don't know if you remember, but, but there was a time in that early. Um, um, Oh, the early 80s, mm-hmm. when uh, the court system, the, the down, downstate facilities got too overcrowded, and mm-hmm. there was a judge that let some oh, individuals out. Turn loose roofs. Yeah. He and, lived in my building oh, at the, okay. the 409 Edgecombe yeah, Avenue. Yeah. He was like my neighbor. Turn him loose, Bruce. <laughs> yeah, he did, and, and and that caused kind of an uproar yeah. in in, yeah. in the city, and uh, and then they started creating these new positions, mm. and uh, that was one of the positions, a senior court analyst, to mm. kind of help the administrative judge uh, design systems to help get the oldest case cases through the system on the civil side and the criminal side to get them through the system faster. So I was fortunate, and so I'm around attorneys and judges all all day, and uh, they kept telling me, you know, you need to go to law school. You know, um, and, and they were right. I wasn't looking, I guess, to make uh, court administration a career. So I got into, went to law school, Brooklyn Law School. Right. Went part time in the evening, worked full time during the day, and then when you come out of law school, you're faced with the same thing as a former athlete coming out of. You now you're trying to figure out what's the next step for me. So mm-hmm. it was about taking. I was a, I was a, when I first came out, I was a, a grad assistant basketball coach at CW Post College on Long Island. So what I did is took. My law degree, my position as a former uh, former coach, and then as a former athlete, and I wanted to combine them into something. And and, and happened to run into a friend at a Notre Dame football game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a Notre Dame grad, also. I right. don't know if you know. That, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we gonna get to all that. <laughs> so, so she she tells me about the different departments at mm-hmm. the NCA that hires attorneys, and so I ended up. Uh, interviewing in a department called enforcement and a department called legislative services and got hired in legislative services and that was uh, basically the rules experts and uh, so worked there for five years and kind of got to the level of you know the good thing about working at the NCA you get to understand the organization how it operates 
from the the macro uh, the macro level. Mm-hmm. You see you see how the conference works. You see how the institutions work, and you're helping them all through um, the various NCA rules and regulations and the governance process. So I got a really good grasp of that, and then it was you know time for me to move on, and that's when uh, I was uh, kind of recruited and um, went to work for the Big East Conference, and uh, instead of working <coughs> uh, working for uh, over a thousand institutions in the, uh, the Division One, Two, II, and Three level, and, and helping them understand the rules and regulations, now I had a more finite group of schools, all those schools within the Big East, to help them grow mm-hmm. their legislative and their compliance services, etc. And, uh, and uh, you know, it all I was dealing with was Division One rules, and right. so I'm dealing with the uh, rules and regulations and and presidents and the athletic directors at uh, at, that, at that level, and mm-hmm. uh, and from there, you know, it just can kind of kept going on. I, you know, that was kind of the regulatory side of things. I got the regulatory side of things down, and then. I knew it was a, about time for me to make another move because I wanted to learn the operation side of things, and that's when I left the Big East and went to work uh, for my alma mater for three years. And, you went back uh, to Notre Dame. Went back to Notre Dame, became a deputy athletic director there, and, mm. and I and I knew the basketball piece of things. Right. So I knew the digger, one piece digger, that I digger didn't wasn't there yet. Uh, uh, he was gone. Or, I, he or, was she, my, would, or she would have fired him. He right? was my yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, my first job. As my first. As my first act as administrator, <laughs> Digger, you're fine. <laughs> now I'm explaining to people why a little later on. Yeah. But go ahead. We'll, <laughs> we, we, we'll get into the Digger stories. <laughs> we'll later. get into Digger. <laughs> <laughs> digger, you're fired. <laughs> but go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, so, but uh, I was I was fortunate there to to work for. Uh, you know, I was at the. Uh, IMG uh, convention earlier today, and uh, you know they talked. Uh, they had a panel of different a- athletic directors, mm-hmm. and they, you know, they talked about and introduced Kevin White as, mm. as one oh, that's of right, the, cause he was right. the top uh, athletic directors in the country, which which he is. And I think uh, I forget what it was I was reading the other day. One of the uh, news article just came out and had him voted as the number f- uh, the number four most powerful individual within college athletics. Well. Uh, you know, he he would he would obviously never agree to that, but you know he's a very humble individual from Amityville, Long Island. You know, track former track athlete, but uh, I wanted to learn from the best, and uh, I felt that he was one of the best in the business, and he was at my alma mater, so it uh, was the right. perfect fit. And and I wanted to learn the football side of things because mm-hmm. I felt that I was if it was a former player, former coach, I knew the basketball side of things, so. Had an opportunity to, to oversee football while I was there and worked with uh, overseeing Charlie Weiss. And uh, <laughs> we got an opportunity to go to Fiesta Bowl my first year there. Charlie the, Weiss. The, uh, I, I hear you over there. <laughs> the, <laughs> okay. the Sugar Bowl the next year. And, uh, you know, then, then from there, uh, got an opportunity to uh, follow Kevin to Duke. And, uh, you know, just two uh, really good institutions, great institutions in Notre Dame and Duke. And, and uh, understanding how uh, you know uh, uh, both of those institutions uh, kind of relatively similar uh, in that the, they only have like about 6,500 undergrad students, uh, but yet they have two really great programs in, in at Notre Dame, a storied football program. So I was, uh, had an opportunity to really get a chance how, to know and learn how to oversee a, a football program that. Has already been established. As, you know, mm. that's always looking to be uh, in the hunt for the national championship. And then going to Duke, where it was a program that was 
They, they, had make, they had a make-believe football program. Well, there. well yeah. you know, they for a number of years they they they, they were ne- <laughs> neglected, and uh, they got the right coach in in yeah. uh, in uh, David Cutcliffe there, and David built a great program, and I was fortunate to to work with him and and mm-hmm. and build a program there. Now they're you know they've been bowl eligible now for yeah, what? pretty good now. Yeah, well, four, 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 four years I'm, in a row. I'm now. glad you what mentioned you, that. I'm glad you mentioned this bowl <laughs> stuff. I mean, we, I, I would be polite, let you, do, but. <clears throat> I mean, they're both eligible, but right. exactly. I mean, like you guys, uh, Florida State. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. there's football and there's football. Sure, right. Notre Dame's football, right? Yeah. Sometimes, not every. Well, day. well. I mean, Luke Rockney, the whole oh, yeah. thing. I mean, well, even if you know, I mean, it's it's they've got the brand, so they're beyond yeah. their their yeah. legacy. Even when they're not good, right. they're great right. because they travel well. Oh, and uh, now, my question was, oh, you brought this bus. So much to talk to you about. I mean, I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, not getting hung up and being a coach and then decide you wanted to be an administrator. Mm-hmm. But since you brought this bowl stuff, sure. you guys will play, um, you will play uh, later this week in the in the Chile, what is it, the, the, the Chick-fil-A Chick yeah. Bowl, and you'll play, who, who are you playing? We're playing Houston. You're, play, you're playing Houston yeah. at the Chick-fil-A Bowl on New Year's a day, New Year's Eve, Correct. kind of setting up, uh, I'll, I'll be in Miami. Oh, you know, be with, the beach hanging out. <laughs> yeah, well, probably, I probably won't be there. I'm just, but, but the point, though, is you know, you say that, well, now you, you say, well, Duke is in the bowl game, but what does it mean? I mean, what are these bowls? Actually, the only in my in my, in, in my callous view of things, only bowls that matter. There are two games that matter. Mm-hmm. Alabama playing uh, um, Michigan State, Michigan State mm-hmm. and um, Clemson. Uh, Clemson playing Oklahoma. That's it. Everything else is, 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 is why are you playing it? I mean, it, I, I guess so the coach could say, well, we took them to a bowl game, but, but what does it really mean? Well, it goes beyond. It really goes beyond that. What it, what it's all about is it's about uh, giving your student athletes the opportunity for uh, a postseason uh, uh, experience. Uh, they get an, an opportunity to go to a, a city, a, a host city, where uh, where they basically roll out the red carpet for you. Uh, they uh, they you know they show you all the great things about their city. Uh, and then they, uh, you know, cap it off with a big celebration of a big game, and, uh, and it's it's about uh, after a, a a hard, long, regular season, you know, it's 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 good to have the opportunity to kind of experience, uh, although it's may not it's not the championship game itself, but for those kids playing in that bowl game, it is. I mean, they're 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 fighting to to win that particular game because that bowl is their. Uh, championship game, and and that's also being used for the next year as they uh, look to um, improve upon what they did in that that year, so that they can eventually get to the college football playoff and eventually get into that national championship game. You wanna you wanna give your kids the best experience they possibly can, you know, on the field, and that uh, that includes uh, being able to participate in postseason events. I mean, see, that's why this brother's gonna be the next executive director yeah, of the NCAA. Oh, but, but, <laughs> but it's, now, it's, that's the best exclama- <laughs> that's the best explanation. Yeah, and, and I'm dead set it against it, but I'm like, listen, <laughs> I, I'm like, say, wow, this guy. Uh, it's hard to argue with that. <laughs> it's hard to argue yeah, with that. <laughs> It's a, it's a money maker, right? It's a money maker for the bowls, but but also for the schools. Well, yeah, yeah. For most, for most, uh, we <laughs> like to feel that, and and we we do for most bowls, it, it is a money maker. Uh, but uh, there are 
there are bowls that are being subsidized because uh, they're not making the money. But you, but you, you, but you do want your kids to have that experience, just like in, in any other uh, your your uh, Olympic sports, mm-hmm. as we call them. Um, you know, their um, NCAA championships are not really generating the, the right. types of right. dollars that we generate in men's basketball championship or uh, women's basketball or in uh, football. But uh, it, it's 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 not about uh, generating monies in those sports. It's about giving them opportunities because, again, it's it's all a part of the collegiate experience. It's all about, you know, in, in our country, in our country, we have collegiate athletics as a part of higher education Uh, and uh, you know other countries do it differently they all have club teams that are separated from it but we feel that uh, it's important Uh, athletics is an important part of education so uh, so when you um, when you're looking to create the best experience you can for your student athletes and that's all your student athletes then you want to be able to have and give them those opportunities where they have postseason championship opportunities they have uh, conference championship opportunities and and when you have those those are things like I tell my kids you know these are you're creating experiences that are going to stay with you for the lifetime right, that's true you are creating bonds with your your fellow student athletes that you know you're going to be you're going to be friends for life right and you're going to go through similar things through life uh, as you make transitions out of uh, being an athlete and into the real world and and you're going to rely on each other and uh, you know that's all a part of the uh, collegiate uh, athletics experiences and so it's it's not just you know about the uh, the revenue it's about uh, creating um, uh, great men and women that are going to go out and be productive in society what, what does it take to be bowl eligible now because that's always been confusing to me <laughs> is it a 500 record or better um, a, a, a travel a fan well, base that travels well. It's yes, you, yes, you have to have six wins. However, uh, we've run into situations where you may have more bowls than you have teams that have six wins, like this year. Oh, mm. so uh, so then they take uh, teams that uh, that have the a five win record, and uh, there's a number of those schools. And so how they've determined to. Uh, kind of separate those and determine who goes on is they, they've based it on uh, basically their academic uh, graduation rate, uh, uh, graduation success rate, uh, uh, academic progress rate, uh, who has the higher uh, of those rates uh, get the opportunity to, to uh, play in a, in a bowl game if there are on enough uh, six-win schools to fill all the bowls. Well, so. I, I never heard that. Right, well, yeah. you heard it here. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's why people tune in to listen to Bill Roden on sports. To hear this, I'm saying, man, the more you hear, I, I must say too, man. I, I've told Stan this uh, a long time. I, I, you know, I meet a lot of people in this industry, but Stan, man, you're one of the most honest, solid guys I've ever met in this industry. I mean, bar, I mean, bar none. This goes back to whenever we first met. You're one of those honest people and straight shooting people I've ever met in this industry. Well, I had, uh, I guess, um, had parents that uh, instilled in me uh, uh, the, I tell this story, um, uh, I, I told this, this story actually at my, uh, at my mother's funeral. You know, uh, I, I told her, I told people how, you know, my, my mother was the kind of the strict uh, um, disciplinarian in the house and she took care of the house and uh, my father was, you know, he was kind of the uh, uh, the, the 
fun-loving. Everybody <laughs> make the jokes, uh, and, and and you know he worked hard. He worked you know two to three jobs, but he's he's gonna have his you know back in the day he had you know, his brothers had this um, uh, this uh, gas station where they uh, fixed cars, etc. And and uh, they all had a racing car, which was my father's racing car. This is back in North Carolina, right? No, this is uh, this is in Long Island. Oh, okay. And, and in, uh, I was born in Queens, and uh, most of my relatives are in Queens, and they had a uh, a uh, gas station in mm-hmm. Queens, and and so um, you know, my father was that fun-loving person, but my mother was a disciplinarian, and she she um, you know you just start getting up in age, you you uh, get taller than your mom, and you mm-hmm. think that she can't hit you anymore, and that, <laughs> you know. And uh, I was uh, I was at a ri- uh, ice skating rink one one day, and. <laughs> And I uh, was ready to come home. Was with my boys and and calling, trying to call to tell my mother it's time to come get us, you know. And just kept getting the busy signal, busy signal, and we're waiting and waiting, waiting for an hour, and then I finally get mm. through. And I knew it was my sister that was on the phone. Mm. She picks up the phone, and I start cursing into her. What mm. are you doing on the phone? What are you? And uh, uh, so my mother comes, picks us up. You know, she's quiet and everything, and uh, drop off my friends. You know. I get get in the house and I'm starting to go walk up the stairs and she turns around and smacks me across the face a couple of times and then I I grabbed her hand when she went for that third one and I you know I saw that look like you boy (laughs) you know but but you know that experience kind of said to me you know uh, my mother I got to respect her you know and 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 she's smacking me because she was on the other line and heard me cursing and she knows that I she didn't raise me that way Mm. she knows that you know I'm trying to show out to my friends Mm. so so Mm. she said you you I better never (laughs) you say anything (laughs) like that again and I honored her. I, uh, you know, uh, uh, but stories like that is, uh, I guess, is 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 what kind of obviously our, our parents are the ones that mold us. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I, I I I was lucky and fortunate to have both my mother and father, you know, to stay together for for their their entire marriage until my mom passed away. But uh, she she uh, instilled in us some very good uh, characters uh, characteristics and uh, try to hold hold to those mm-hmm. even today so, uh, so even though I heard that it seemed, you know that I guess you can y- use a, a little profanity in your podcast I yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you're not trying to get smacked my mom is right you know, on my shoulder right. <laughs> she'll right. pop me if I do yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, sorry Ms. Wilcox <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, now um do you have brothers, uh, brothers, sisters? Yeah, I have. Uh, I have one brother that's still here on Long Island, uh, Locust Valley, and I have a sister who uh, is in uh, Houston, uh, Houston, Texas. Uh, uh, we, um, you know, we we grew up on in uh, North Babylon, Long Island, and uh, had like uh, the thing that we did together. You know, mm. growing up, my father. Uh, he was a musician, you know. He oh, okay. Played uh, played the piano. Uh, used to play for his church choir and all that. And and uh, uh, so when we were young, he brought brought me a drum set. Brought mm. my brother guitar and my sister a microphone. <laughs> 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 and, uh, and then we just kind of grew into a family band. And then it was the neighborhood band. It was anybody in the neighborhood that could play an instrument come mm. and get in the van and. And we used to make our, you know, go do a gig and, you know, make three, four hundred dollars doing a gig. And, you know, when you 
kind of parcel that out to how many people you have in the group. Yeah, everybody end up with ten dollars. <laughs> but I take that ten dollars, run down to Delancey Street, get, <laughs> get my double knit pants. And wow, ten dollars! <laughs> wow. Yeah, back, back then. I they, guess back they, in the day. Yeah, back in the day they give you the twofers. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Uh, what I want. Uh, we were talking about the bowl thing. I mean, I want to get back to the sure. family and being recruited by uh-huh. Digger uh-huh. and Bayheim. Because actually, you were recruited by Digger Bayheim with Patino on the side, yeah. right? Yes. So we remind me to come yeah. back to that because that's, that's I could just imagine that. <laughs> but <laughs> but how do you feel about playing on on a playing a bowl game on New Year's Eve? Last year, uh, it was New Year's Day, mm-hmm. I think, because I, I was out at Pasadena with Oregon. Well. <laughs> Sorry, or just play Florida State. Uh-huh. Yikes, man! I don't know what happened, but anyway. <laughs> but, we, we, uh, but but what do you think um, about how do you feel playing New Year's Eve versus New Year's Day? Uh, I think it's uh, for college athletics. I mean, it's great that we're going to occupy that space. You know. Um, Obviously, a lot of people are, uh, uh, you know, that's a day of celebration that evening, you know, where our game is going to be at noon. So um, uh, we're happy that, uh, you know, people around the country uh, are going to be tuning in to those early, er, er, earlier games. You know, they're getting ready to, to go out and party later that night, but during the day they'll be, they'll be tuning in. So, uh, you know, uh, a lot of people think that or feel that, you know, that, could be taxing on the student athletes. I, we used to play. Um, uh, we used to play University of Kentucky. Uh, I want to say every year. When I want to say it was like on New Year's Eve, and mm. we would play um, in in a, at a neutral site site uh, that they called it. You know, it was Louisville. Nothing, nothing but Kentucky fans right. in there. We used to get our butts kicked every year right. until my senior year. We won, but. Uh, but it's a great experience. It will be a great experience for our kids. Uh, you know, they'll have their their family there with them uh, at the bowl sites, and uh, you know, it's 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 always good to have family around you uh, during the during the holidays. And mm-hmm. so, so I, I you know I I like it. Uh, you know, uh, it's 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 a time when we can bring everybody together. Uh, from the athletics department uh, that uh, that'll be working working the bowl and their families and it'll it'll be a very very good fun experience mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm I'm happy with it. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play dot it. Uh, do you anticipate the ratings will be? Yeah, that's the big yeah. debate. Uh, will the ratings sure. be? As, as high, uh, I, you know, I thought last year it was sort of like back in the day, you know, mm-hmm. New Year's, you, everybody would you know, have the big games in New Year's, you know, yeah. everybody would be eating shit. Well, Chicago, we, you know. Um, <laughs> Deep dish pizzas? <laughs> no, chitlins, man. Chitlins. Have you ever eaten chitlins? Way back. <laughs> he's, he's, no, he's from New York. Way, oh, that's right. They probably don't do this. Chicago, no, no, man. But, but we're Southern, you know. Yeah, you know, right, my, right. My, my parents, they're uh, from they're from uh, Osceola, Georgia, which oh, wow. is only two hours uh, north of Tifton. So, you know, I, those, those are really my roots. That's right. That's uh, right. So they know Hogmar. I mean, they know uh, the Chitlins. Yeah, and, I, I know all of that uh, uh, tripe and uh, yeah. uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't do any of that. Anymore. Oh man, it was, <laughs> but that but the whole house smell. But that oh, that was what I man. Oh man, and like it was like, and you almost my aunt 
you almost had to eat. If you didn't eat, I said, damn, really? I mean, even after everybody yeah. knew that you weren't supposed you know, it was almost like a tradition. Yes. I was like, damn, really? So yeah. I'd put ketchup. <laughs> ketchup or hot sauce. And something. Drench it with it. <laughs> just drench it with something. And then, but then, then you know, they say chitlins. And I really didn't know what it was until I actually, I actually like found out what it was. Is you right. kidding me? <laughs> from, a, from a hog? <laughs> now, you rem- now you know why it smells so bad. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. you know? I, I just thought it was, you know, like, as a kid, you just don't really, uh, you just do it. Exactly. Then when you study it, I said, you haven't eaten what? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, but um, how do you feel about the, the, the new system? I forgot why I got it. But how do you feel about the new system? Well, uh, the, the, the playoff system. The playoff system, yeah. I think it's, uh, you know, I like it. I, I know everybody feels really good about it. You know, the, mm-hmm. the, the, the positives about that is now that you 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 really kind of take away i think some of the uh, uh some of the arguments about who ought to be in that championship right. game you know you, right. you now have four schools and uh that have gone through the regular playing season and you're evaluating them similar to the way you choose and evaluate um your 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 um your NCAA basketball mm-hmm. field you know you you're really looking at things such as strength of schedule you know head to head competition uh conference championship uh and 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 those things i think uh are 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 very important in trying to determine uh, how um, a, a school or a team is actually trending and whether or not um, they are deserving to be in the college football playoff. And, uh, and, and, it, and it also it doesn't take away from the regular season, which we don't want that because in football, every single game, every weekend is important. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's like, um, and, and everybody's focusing in on that. And, and when you... Um, uh, you know, you don't want to water that down, bec- and the college football playoff doesn't really water it down that much because it's a build-up to that, and, right. and uh, which is which is very very good. It's a positive, and and when you start also looking at what's happening as this college football playoff is evolving, you see that um, the regular season is still strong. Schools are starting to um, even schedule tougher opponents because they know strength of schedule is mm-hmm. a very important thing. Um, each week, you know, you start off at the beginning of the year and you have your 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 AP poll, your coaches poll, but then as soon as the college football playoffs start doing their polls, you know, every week you know, now you have Monday night football, but then. You have that lull Tuesday, Wednesday, but now there's no long, longer a lull. You have everybody focusing in on Tuesday night to see what the right. college football playoff rankings are going to be. And then after Tuesday when the rankings come out, then on Wednesday everybody's an- analyzing right. whether or not you know they, they got it right. You know This team is now – these, these four are <laughs> in. You know, so we have these four in. Right. And, yeah, and, yeah, then, yeah. and then next week you know that four might change. This one drops down. You know, frustrating for us last year right. was we came off of a of winning the uh, the last BCS uh, championship, right. and we were undefeated basically all of last year. That's but right, yeah, right. we kept moving from right. one in the college football playoff to two to three, to right. four, and jumping. The supposed, we were like, how how yeah. are we doing that? And we're winning. You the know, supposed but, week but, ACC, right? right? Yeah, but 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 that's I think the excitement that the college football playoff now brings uh, adds to uh, uh, college football, which is which is great. Is is more focus being put on it? 
there's the the TV ratings have been stronger, and uh, mm-hmm. and and it's a, it's right. another experience and goal for all our kids to try to reach and gravitate towards. Do well, you think it'll go to six, then eight? Definitely. Yeah, you know that's <laughs> that's the uh, uh, you know you just look at college basketball. You know, right. You start off at what. 34 and go right, to right. whatever the next number was 64 and then, right. then you know it, right but the, the the problem with football though is um you know because it's the, the type of sport the, the physicality of the sport uh and 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 it has always been a one semester sport you continue to if, if you look to expand the college football playoff then you're starting to look into uh, you're going to have to go into more than once one semester mm-hmm. uh, you're going to you know you're going to have more injuries. You're going to, you know, those are those are kind of the negatives, uh, and you you got to really weigh that against, you know, what are we doing it for to expand so that they're giving you giving more opportunities. You're tr- you're getting more revenue, uh, and those sometimes you you just got to say stop. But, but well, that's well, a good way <laughs> said, right now. That's that's a hell of it. Are people going to have restraint? Yes, right. you have to have restraint in that in that area. <laughs> Let me ask you this: since I mean, you know, the consensus is it's going to get bigger. They're going to expand it at some point. I don't know when, but what what's the number? Where you would say no way it would go over this number. <laughs> I don't know if I fifty. <laughs> <laughs> well, I. I, I I would say I, I'm, I, I'm, eight. I'm just saying I hope I'm hoping that I'm that I'm retired when it goes beyond four. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I, I think four is the right number right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the only reason why I say that is because, uh, you know, uh, you got to really you got to think about student athlete welfare. Mm-hmm. And to me, um, when you when you start going beyond four, then you are. You have to extend the season, mm-hmm. or you're going to have to reduce the season. And um, I don't know if there's going to be enough support uh, to reduce the season. Oh, you, now you know, so on the other no, nobody's going to reduce right, the season. So, so that's why I, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I feel that you know we're at four. Let's keep it at four. And right now it's working. You know, uh, you know, last year you you had. Well, I guess each year you're going to have those who feel that they should have been in right, right but you still have that with college basketball now oh yeah and we've matter. expanded i don't know how many right. times we've expanded that field right. but you still have at the end of the day those schools who are going right. to get left out so that's you're never going to solve that problem unless you go to an all-comers uh tournament right. which they discussed in basketball mm-hmm. they did right. at one time right. but then that that totally ridiculous. takes away from yeah. the regular season. Right. It takes I away mean, from the whole bracketologist uh, exactly. industry out there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which, you, which you were part of. You know, uh, I guess I could see, for, but you, you mentioned a couple of things about student welfare, which I wanted to ask you about, too, because you, we both know, we talk about, I mean, again, that's sort of the humanist in you. Sure. So, well, the student athlete, and we've got to be careful, but, you know, but that's sort of one of the major issues that's you know, I was going to ask you about some of the major issues facing us. We continue to hurdle toward more money because you know you you know there are people, man. You know them. You know how they are. They talking about well, four is great, six would be better. Sure. And and then the student athlete, the welfare, and you know kids, kids will play. Mm-hmm. They'll, they'll, because that's what right. that's what young people do. They'll play. They'll play forever. They'll play from now till they'll play every single day if you let them. They'll play right. every single day of the week if you let them. So it's the adults. 
who've got to step in and say enough. And I guess that's part of the, that's why, you know, we've had uh, Northwestern. Right. Student athletes in Northwestern. Mm-hmm. We had the O'Bannon case, mm-hmm. Missouri for different reasons. But right. I think that maybe what we've seen is more of the athletes saying, "Listen, we count on we count on the adults saying enough." But you guys are continuing to go more and more and more. So since we're going that way, right. then we're going to step up and say, "Well, listen, stop paying us or or cluing us in on." Give us a percent or something like that. What What do you? I know we've talked about this thing, but what do you think about the student athlete issues and the uh, the welfare issues? And you know, mm-hmm. you know, this is a big, big topic, big topic for me. I'd say also, um, um, you know, uh, I was one that when I worked at the NCA, I got an opportunity to um, be a staff liaison to what was called the Student Athlete Advisory Committee that right. was created. Mm-hmm. And um, it was a really great step that was made by the NCA at that time to to bring the student athletes into uh, understanding how the NCA operates and works, and allowing them and giving them a voice in uh, in changing policy and legislation for um, for the NCA. And uh, because this legislation, a lot of it is all affecting them; it affects affects their lives. And, uh, you know, uh, I got an opportunity to help that committee understand the the entire process, um, understand how and, and help them work through the system so that they can really see how they have a vested interest and uh, help them develop legislation, present it, and get it adopted. Um, and, and, you know, and I, and I had them really looking at uh, pieces of legislation that uh, that you can categorize as maybe unfair to the student mm-hmm. athlete, uh, you know, some pieces of legislation that would make their lives lives better, that would, uh, you know, from from a, a legal perspective, giving them due process mm-hmm. in in various different decisions that are being made about 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 their lives, and so um, that uh, the, for me was very rewarding, and and from that what what that eventually developed was. It was creations of student athlete advisory com- committees, not just at the national level, but also on member institutions' campuses as well as in the conference office. And uh, I even got an opportunity back then to um, to then create or help the NABC uh, create a um, the national basketball a, a, a student athlete uh, kind of advisory yeah. committee for the NABC. Uh, Shane Battier was there was their chair at the time, and and that actually sent some chills through the um, uh, through the association through the NCA because here we were starting to organize um, basketball student athletes and 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 these were you know uh, some of the top players around the country um, but you know it's it's incumbent upon it and it's, it's it's like a response it's a responsibility for student athletes to get involved right and and we you know we've seen that we, we're starting to see that uh, that they're getting more involved uh, through the northwestern situation as well as the the missouri situation um, but uh, you know it, it goes back to um, you know activism you mm-hmm. know that's what college kids do they 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 get 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 involved, and uh, we want our student athletes to have the same experience as the regular student there, and that's that's part of their uh, uh, that's a part of their experience that should be a part of their experience, and so so not just being uh, active on their campus uh, uh, with campus issues, but issues nationally that affect student athletes. Mm-hmm. So. 
for me, it's it's kind of dear to my heart because you know you know most of us in athletic administration we were student athletes at one point in time or or coaches, so we understand we re- we truly do understand the um, the issues of the day, and and things that we need to be doing to to make their lives uh, better, and the, and the one thing for me is has always been, you know. Um, the time demands that we have on our student athletes it's incredible, is, right? is, 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 is unbelievable, <laughs> and uh, but but we expect that they um, go to class and on time to practice, uh, travel to different games, games that are being played at nine o'clock at night, and uh, travel back after the game, etc. And and those these time demands take away sometimes from that. Uh, that student, that student experience, being a regular mm-hmm. student, and the most important part of that that sometimes it could take away from uh, is the educational piece. Mm-hmm. And uh, I always tell all of our kids, uh, whenever I talk to any team, any of our kids, I say, you know, the one thing I, you know, you're, you're, our coaches, we hire the best coaches here. They're going to get the most out of you from an athletics perspective on the field and on the on the court. Um, but don't lose sight of the fact that you're here as a student and your obligation or your your responsibility is to make and get the most out of this university from an academic perspective as, as you put in to your athletic side of things. I tell them that, you know, you want to be here as an athlete and play against the best and compete against the best. Mm-hmm. Don't lose sight of the fact that in the classroom you're also competing against the best in the classroom. And you've got to take that same kind of drive, that same uh, mentality mm-hmm. that you put on the playing field, and you have to put that in the, in the classroom. Because those are the individuals that are trying to become the top 10% of their class, trying to be the valedictorian, etc. Yeah, right. And those are the individuals that um, the industry, when they go out into the real world, they're, get, they're getting the better jobs. It, it, but isn't, that, isn't that almost close to impossible? I mean, I know in every single program there are some great students who are athletes. I mean, sure. they, they, I mean this, you know, we just know. Yep. But it just seems like the way, for all the reasons you laid out, the time demands, mm-hmm. it, it almost is sort of antithetic to that. It's not set up for that, particularly right. if you're talking about basketball, football. Right. It's, not, it's, it's almost not set up for that. And almost, now this might be... A little had a little of the stereotype, mm-hmm. but you know when you talk about the blood sports as I call them, mm-hmm. uh, which I mean I played football and mm-hmm. went to HBCU, uh, but it seems as if um, and the time demand has just gotten more intense, um, and even in high school. Yeah. So I don't know if you are you talking about competing, mm-hmm. competing in the classroom. Mm-hmm. It's it's almost is it quite it's almost not quite a fair you're almost not you're almost disadvantaged in right. a way and you are you are I mean I, you know I look back on my experience and uh, you know I came in as a highly recruited athlete and I'm my thought process was I want to get to the NBA mm-hmm. and therefore uh, I was trying to do everything that I could to do that and the academic piece to me was. You know, I had to do that in order to stay eligible. But then something switched. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I was I was lucky enough that it switched for me while I was still in school. Mm-hmm. And, and and you know, lack of playing time will help you think differently. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Thank you, Digger. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so uh, you know, I start realizing, hey, there's a lot to be learned in this library here there's there's a lot mm-hmm. of information in here that you know you can spend 
hours and hours and days and days here. And then I start realizing, well, that's what the regular students are doing. Right. <laughs> as, as, as a routine. Yeah, you're, you're just yes. paying for it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, so, so, uh, so I, you know, when you kind of wake up to the fact that, hey, I'm only going to be here for a certain number of years, at least uh, in my case or in a lot of our kids' case, on a scholarship where I don't have to pay for it out of my pocket, I've got to, you know, I've got to really make use of my time here, and I've got to, you know, you know, there's so many great professors that, oh, uh, that you probably never even got an opportunity right. to sit down and talk with and pick their brain. There's, there's so many different courses that you probably would have had a, a keen interest in in doing, as opposed to just trying to go down a track to make sure that you're going to get your degree in four years and this. And, you know, I, you know, you really start thinking about how, if I had an opportunity to do it over again, and, and that's what I don't want. You know, I, I try and try to tell our kids I don't want them to to. I want that light to come on earlier right. for them. I don't want them to think about it later. Right. And and you know, and the other time that it really hit me hard was when I went to law school. Right. That's what that's what first hit me. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, you're in law school, and you're you know you, you're realizing that the people that you're in there with they, these are all the right. the top five percent of their graduating class, and and uh, you know valedictorians, etc. And and they're doing study groups, and hmm. and you're sitting there, and you're listening, and you're you know like. Oh man, <laughs> this, you know this this person really uh, you know got it up here. They they know what's going on here, and, you know. And I'm thinking I got to do at least double, triple time of amount of studying just to even catch up to get some of the concept that they grasped in mm. two minutes, you know. And that, and that comes from you know uh, being conditioned in school and 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 having the opportunity to spend uh, the, the hours needed uh, to 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 study and get the most that you can out of that and and. And, and yeah, the the time demands kind of I don't want to say it does prevent it. Mm. And we as administrators and as an association have to figure out a way mm. to make to kind of balance that. Even the study hall, I mean, you know, you see the study halls and all that, and I'm like, it's almost as if, you know, maybe I don't study. That's not my group, but I got a I got study hall. Mm -hmm. So, but that's not necessarily how I study. That's not right. my flow, but right. we got study hall. Right. And it, but at the end of the day, it's about me. It's, it's about the APR. It's right. about me as a coach and all that. Mm -hmm. uh, but but you admit, you know, the, the story I always tell about this Ward Manuel, mm -hmm. who is the AD at UConn. Yeah, uh, yes, I know UCon. Ward very well. Yeah. Uh, and, so so I, met, I met Ward, and I tell him the story. If he's listening, he's about rolling his eyes. But <laughs> I, met, I met Ward when he was a, a junior at Michigan. At Michigan, yeah. And I was doing this this three-part series on the student athlete on campus. So Ward had just, he's a foot, big-time football player, right. you highly recruited. Yeah. Well, he had just had this nerve, uh, this nerve to yet, and he couldn't play anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And But they had honored his scholarship. Mm -hmm. But he, so he said that um, he was walking across campus, and out of force of habit, he was going to practice. Then he stopped. He said, well, you know what? I don't have to do this anymore. Yeah. You know, yeah. And he said that the entire University of Michigan Opened up to him because mm -hmm. now he's like, wow, you know, I could, yeah. I could, you know, go to lectures and just be the student and all this kind of stuff, right. which is not ironic because now he's in a position at UConn where, knowing that, knowing all this stuff, okay, mm -hmm. how do we? The reality is these time demands. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, and I think that's where you were getting ready to go. Right. How do we 
And it's gotten worse. I mean, because yeah, much worse. You, you hire right. people making millions of dollars, and mm-hmm. their whole I'm like listening to these shows. Or who's going to get to be the the next coach of so and so? These guys are thinking about their coaching got how to kick their gig and, and I want to recruit you from Little Town in Georgia to help me kick my gig and if you start talking about I'm going to be a history major and I was like whoa wait a minute history right. major shit yeah. that's well, it's like the Robert Smith yeah. Uh, yeah. situation you talked about where he wanted to be a doctor, a doctor and the coach was like mm, that's not going to work why are you right? going why are you going here yeah. so why don't you go to Emory or something Yeah, yeah. but I mean but, but that's I think that's where you're going yeah. because in some way you're not, not you're not complicit but but the tragedy, I mean, the, you know the system. Mm-hmm. And, and in some ways, and you're talking some very great concepts about, man, you realize you're going through the, uh, through four years of one of the greatest, you know, of higher learning in America. Mm-hmm. You're getting this quote-unquote free education, but the system is set up that it's going to be really hard for you right. to really right. take right. full advantage and of And also, right. for, if, even for a regular non-athlete student, Right. I mean, not, they go through the same thing. Like a lot of students don't realize what they had until they left, right. and they didn't even have to practice. You know, exactly. how many hours a day? Yeah. So for the athlete, I mean, it's just a monumental task. Sure. And 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 I would say, uh, you know, the discipline that you get in 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 athletics. You know, we we have to teach our kids how to how how to trans uh, transpose that into the into the classroom. As well, because they have, we teach discipline that the normal students don't right. get. Right. And and if they understand and learn how to also use that same discipline in their studies in their classroom, you know they're going to come out. You know they're going to come out ahead. But the other, uh, the the real thing that we have to do as administrators, we really have to look at this system and figure out how do we modify the system to make it. Uh, better for st- athletes to to come out to be able to get that quality, you know, education, and, and and it's not it's not really about just getting your degree. It's really about getting that education right. because because that's the piece of, to me that um, that's kind of they're not getting enough of. And so, as I analyze and think about it, you know, people when I talk to some some of my my colleagues, they think I'm crazy and it can't be done. But, you know, I always say, you know, we gotta we're gonna have to get to a, a system in which we uh, the kids coming in have an opportunity to nego- negotiate the terms of their education. Hmm. You know that they are able to, you know, because that kid coming out of whatever school system that they came out of. Um, those, their parents, their uh, advisors, their counselors, they're going to know how that person will learn the best. And, uh, and that they ought to be able to sit at the table and say, you know, uh, Johnny Jones, uh, Mary Jane, this is how they um, truly will be able to get the most out of their education if, if they can take maybe six hours during the regular season and, and then maybe take, you know, eight or nine hours outside the, uh, the, the uh, playing season and take six years to graduate. Mm-hmm. You know, if, you know if, if we allow them to, to really kind of figure out what, how they're best going to get the most out of their education and when they graduate – then I think we're then then I think we're kind of what I would say balancing the scales a little bit more. We're we're allowing them to be able to come in and 
compete at the highest level, but at the same time, take the full advantage of the academic opportunities and, right. and offerings that the school has. So, yeah. so it's almost like, um, you know, you have a kid uh, highly recruited. Let's say he leaves school early, mm-hmm. you know, to pursue that dream. Yeah. Are you saying om- almost uh, honoring that scholarship for the you know the the four years that it was supposed to be so he can get his degree even in sure. that situation yes yes um, um i'm talking about uh and and you know there are obviously right. when this you, is just, when, just an example when you ta- when you right. look at the concept you know the devils are in the details mm-hmm. but you know you can uh, recruit somebody coming in saying hey if you if you complete at least you know, one year or if you complete two years in school uh, and then if you leave, you're vested. You know, right. You're vested so that you can come back and get finish out your degree whenever, whenever you want. You know, some it's you know just like you know uh, in, in the in the in the professional uh, leagues. You know, you you play a certain number of right. years, you leave, right. then you become vested into right. their retirement program. So, right. you know, we should be able to explore and think about and figure out how do we do that something similar for our student athletes what would be i mean because I'm, I'm hearing you talking I'm, I'm thinking immediately of kentucky and calipari and and the and the one and dones mm-hmm. which again is almost antithetic to everything that sure. you're talking and i know it's only one he's taking it to the extreme but is this is this a is that a good thing i mean to everything we're talking about it seems almost under undercut it um, is it a good thing that uh, is it is it is it a good thing? I mean, you, you we're talking about being vested, patience, at least one two years, yeah. and that whole thing is right. talking yeah. about. Listen, you know, quid pro quo. You come here, give me a year, and you can go. And I think that almost sets a, a tone throughout the entire industry. It's not just Kentucky, sure. but sure. it just sets a mentality oh, yeah. of how quickly can I run through this room and and, and without touching the, these, these right. two walls, being education, and, right. how can I just run through as quickly as possible, right. get there, and it seems like that's the that seems to be the... It, that's the, the goal yeah, in, the, in, a, in, a, in the environment. And it's almost yeah. like for it, you become a failure. If in the, I'm talking basketball, right, you become right. a failure if you happen to be there the second year, or yeah. God forbid right. the third or fourth. Yeah. It's like you failed. Yeah. Well, well, uh, I guess I'm. I, I wouldn't espouse a system that um, perpetuates more of that. Uh, I, but but I I would envision or or support a system that uh, uh, affords uh, kids to somehow be able to um, because of the um, because of what they do for the university on the playing field that we are giving the same value back to them right um, that you know right. to, to me it's 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 about uh, you know anything else in a, in a contract you you want to be fair on both sides so uh, if the agreement is that uh, you come play for my university, um, to to help our program become an elite program, or whatever, um, and in exchange, you're, we're going to give you an education. Well, uh, we got to right. make sure that we you figure get the out education. how they get that education. And and and, and the system right now, uh, you know, can be modified and changed to some degree to help uh, make sure that they're getting 
as I would use the term education and you know not just being moved along and getting a degree you know right and the public the public perception unfortunately is that you know it's on the kids right. that you know you always hear oh they are getting paid they're getting that education and they they choose not to use it yeah. but we know it's not that simple sure and not because and it's the mentality you know it's the mentality of particularly in those revenue generating sports in which they're coming in and thinking that they they're going to go professional right and but even the kids that do go professional they have uh they ha- they'll have less issues at that level if they have a degree if they have an education because you know, you look at how many of those individuals who go into the, the professional ranks and now made millions and millions of dollars and now are broke. That's right. right. You know, and that that's that ties to the the educational piece. You know, that ties to you know understanding your finances, understanding who um, to trust, who to uh, help you invest your monies. Um, you know, those are things that uh, that. Uh, higher education can help them. Obviously, it should. It, it, it should, and we do help many in that that regards. But, right. but uh, you know, we should uh, not have as many uh, individuals that leave and go and make that kind of money and then end up uh, being broke. But, but even even I think even that's so much the money thing. I've never <laughs> money, but. Um, not only that, but I'm looking at all these guys who come back and are head coaches now. Mm-hmm. Some some brothers, but nowhere near. If you look at the how, what for the past what thirty what twenty five years, mm-hmm. big time college sports football has been predominantly black athletes, right? Mm-hmm. So you would think that just the natural thing, percol- you know, but mm-hmm. just the 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 percolation. Of 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 all these black guys, you think that the entire industry, athletic directors, head coaches, right. you'd be seeing a whole bunch of brothers being head coach and athletic directors. But then I'm thinking, what happens? You know, you go, you graduate, or you don't graduate. Mm-hmm. You got all these guys who don't graduate, which hurts you in the next. Day. Oh, well, of course. When you come back, you say, well, yeah, you know, John, I know that you ran all them tests. <laughs> Hell, son, you don't have your degree. Right. And and it's wait a minute, I don't have a degree. Well, you don't have a degree. So some guy who was like was you know the fifth string whatever mm-hmm. ends up being your boss and i've seen it so many because i'm i, I want to i see these guys become these head coaches i would love to go back and let, let's track it now this this brother was like the all-american so-and-so and so-and-so and mm-hmm. the whole team was black and all that now here's this guy ends up being the head coach right. uh, and or being and sometimes it's like the assistant Ball boy, or the, uh-huh. you know, yeah, what I'm saying yeah. so. So, so I mean, it's the sort of thing of co-signing what you're saying, and that uh-huh. it's almost like, you know, Joe Dumar said this. He said, you know, he he was he went through McNeese State, mm-hmm. and it bugged him. He didn't get his degree, and about five years ago, he got his degree, uh-huh. and he said, you know, it kept bothering me. It kept bothering me. And finally, my daughter, I was telling my kids, you know, give them a lecture about, you know, education. Well, you didn't get your degree, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. he said, you know, I felt that the system had won. Until I got my degree, figured they won, and 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 I was talking to you. I said, you know what? They win. I don't care how many points you score. I mean, if you don't get your degree, that's the only thing that matters to Georgia. To, to that's mm-hmm. the most important thing that matters is that degree. And if you don't, they win. Yeah, exactly. They they right. win. Yeah. They win. And education, even as you were saying earlier, it's not just the degree; it's the education. Right. Exactly. And and to me, I I feel like the longer you stay on a college campus, let's say you stay two three years. That two three years is valuable compared to that one and done guy. Oh, even yeah. if you even degree or not, right. just in terms right. of 
life experience. Yeah, right. and 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 uh, you know, maturing and and um, you. We we sometimes uh, you know the uh, the American society is really uh, and particularly for our African American kids coming coming up they they see professional the professional level as the way of to getting ahead and getting out of uh, their particular environment and uh, we just have to somehow um, change that thought process and you know they have to see more individuals such as yourself bill and and where you are in your stature and, and myself these are attainable easy, much more attainable uh goals uh than than being uh, making to the nba or the nfl you know and if if we can get that psych that that psychology uh kind of embedded in them uh, you know that that'll help uh, obviously but as long as uh as long as uh they see on television you know the 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 guys the people that look like them are just on the playing court and not in the boardrooms um that's that mentality is always going to be there welcome to play it a new podcast network featuring radio and tv personalities talking business sports tech entertainment and more play it at play.it and you know the thing is and we've been we i don't know if, you, if it feels like we've been talking for one hour so you know, have we, we, has it been oh, no, no, it doesn't even. Like, no, Pat just even. Always is the crew. So we're gonna. <laughs> I'm gonna good. ask you a couple uh, more things, but because yeah. we could be doing this for another couple hours, because oh, this yeah. is so. You know, but for example, to me, education. This is what John Thompson did. His team, uh, his team flew into uh, when he had uh, Iverson. His team flew into Alabama for a regional game, mm-hmm. and he took his kids to the what was it 13th Avenue. Uh, uh, the, the Baptist Church, Church yeah, yeah, uh, where the bomb, where the kids, he took his kids right from the airport, right to the the church, mm-hmm. so he could see the museum, right. right? And uh, Dawn Staley, I just hear about um, they were playing somewhere, and she took her kids to Charleston, and she yeah. took them to the church, right? Where now. Now these happen to be two African American coaches, and I know Dawn very well, and that's how she thinks. And you know John, right. that's how he <laughs> thinks. And, and, and in fact, I can't think of anybody, all the the, the, the brothers I know who and sisters who are coaching, mm-hmm. that's how they think. They think like that. Now, and I'm not trying to paint the white coaches with it, but that's not their experience. Sure. Right. That's not right. their experience. I mean, in fact, uh, people like Patino, and I've had conversations yeah. like this with these guys, and sometimes they're not even. No, I'm, but they're not. That ain't even where they're thinking. Right. Even if they're trying to say, well, you know, I, I, I uh, do a camp and I get let them in for free or, or mm-hmm. something like that. It doesn't. It, it, it's not the same. You know, they having a Stan Wilcox say, listen, man, you, I know, I've lived it. I know it. You cannot. You got to see the, the forest for the trees. You can't mm-hmm. get in this trick bag. You can't keep putting yourself in this trick bag, or else we'll never have any power. Right. You will never have any power. Right, and um, you know that's that goes back to this this the same old issue that I think we have uh, have been fighting for for years, and that is uh, uh, you know we've got to have more people that look like the kids that are playing on the playing fields, uh, also um, uh, as athletic directors, as head coaches, you know, um, 
uh, barring that, you know, you, they're, they're going to continue to get the same kinds of experiences that, are, that may not be moving the needle for them um, when, they, uh, when they go back to their, uh, to their environment. They're not, <coughs> they're not bringing back with them a full range of understanding of themselves. Um, I mean, I, I remember c coming out of school, and, uh, and my daughter's kind of going through this now, and, uh, you know, I just had a thirst for really understanding about who I am as, uh, you know, who's, who's my ancestry. I didn't, I don't recall reading about it. I, you know, I didn't, I, w I, I didn't go to, um, uh, and take some of the courses that, uh, that may have given that to me. And, and even if I did, I'm not quite sure I would have gotten it from the perspective right. of, uh, of, of, of individuals who, such as yourself, self, you know, you know, in your book, in, in uh, $40 million slaves, mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's a unique, different kind of perspective that you don't get in, in the environment uh, or most environments um, unless you're um, you know mm -hmm. go to a historically black institution Morgan State North Carolina A&T yeah. 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 yes uh, but, but basically uh, you know but you know you think why are they going to tell you that I mean you know, you know what I'm saying if you had right. if you had yeah. Notre Dame or Florida I mean why the hell are they going to you know why are they going to really tell you that I mean you have to, and you have to go and the thing about it is you, you're there and it's the, the information is there you have exactly. to go seek it out exactly and if you don't know how to go seek it out then you, you're never going to get the you opportunity play ball. to it you know okay. and and so after I find I found myself you know, living in uh, Brooklyn, uh, right across from the main, uh, main branch library, and you know, I'm I'm re-educating myself mm -hmm. because uh, you know now I have the time and I have the the uh, the interest in, mm -hmm. in in really figuring some things out, and uh, uh, and and you know that's that's a that's a new experience or that's an, an eye-opening experience. Well, well, well see, that that kind of gets back to uh, first of all, you have to you're going to have to come back. Okay. Cuz this is going to be this is part 1. Okay. And you get back to part 2. But that's what happened in Missouri. Yeah. And yeah. I think that I think that's probably the fear that you, you I mean if you turn on these these bowl games, right? Clemson, mm -hmm. Alabama, uh -huh. Michigan State, uh -huh. you're thinking you were watching Howard and Morgan play and Grambling. I mean you, yeah. you know if you just yeah. had nothing but just watching Right. The field. Sure. You think, oh, Alcorn versus Jackson State, mm -hmm. uh -huh. until you started, the camera goes back. Right. And then you see everything from the field up yeah. is white. Right. You know, in terms of the power, the control, and all that kind of stuff. Right. But so then you get Missouri. Mm -hmm. And somebody pulls somebody's coat. Yeah. They said, man, what are you guys saying about? You can shut this. I'm sorry, Miss <laughs> Wilcox. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, now, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't curse in her presence, obviously. Well, 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 you know. she, she, she's accepting your apology. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, but I don't want you to curse, though, because I don't want you to step outside your. Oh, I, yeah. I've already been trained. Yeah. That, that, that's, that's stayed in with me for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, but, you know, so. And I think that, so you have in Missouri, you have the, you know, most of these guys, the brother, I mean, the team was like, you know, 70%. So somebody says, you know what, maybe we just won't play. Yeah. And now, and that thing was done over there. Who, who do you want to fire? <laughs> who do you want to fire? Oh, you want to fire the player? Okay. Anybody else want to fire while we're doing this? Oh, Chancellor? Okay, he's next. And, and that was Missouri. They weren't even good. Yeah, they weren't even good. They were like Missouri. They said, we're not going to play BYU. What happened to the yeah. brother Alabama, you know, yeah. and, and, and Michigan State? And said, you know, I don't know whatever the issue would be, 
Yeah. And they said, you know what? Because remember the year John and them, they were talking about, remember you? About, yeah. They were talking about not playing in, in, in the. Doing a boycott. Yeah. He walked no, he, off the court. He, well, he walked he, off he walked with the court, but, they, but they also, I was I was a part of that back at the NCAA. <laughs> yeah, they, right. they threatened to boycott the Final Four. The Final Four. And uh, and the powers that be got very very uh, nervous, right? And uh, it's so much so that the federal government got involved, and uh, the Department of Justice uh, basically set up mediation discussions between the BCA and the NCAA. And uh, at the time, I was working in uh, legislative services department. And and I was actually the only African American in that department at the time. So you're probably the most popular person in the room. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 the contingency that they put together <laughs> on the NCA side to go and be a part of these mediation discussions, they, they needed a somebody that understood the rules uh, because they knew that some of the issues that the BCA had had to do with uh, it was Proposition 48 back That's then, right. That's right. as well as the the lack of minorities that were hired at the highest levels in the NCA organizations and and uh, and the initial all the initial eligibility rules and regulations and they, the the claim was that uh, they were using uh, researchers who uh, had uh, racist views and things of that nature so uh, I got an opportunity to be a part of that uh, the, those mediation discussions and, and and I'll tell you this this is this is a funny story uh, so uh, and I'm not sure if I'm gonna go get all the names right but so on the BCA side, uh, so so we were in, I think it was in Washington at a, at a uh, hotel in Washington. And, and so on the BCA side, they have um, John Thompson, John Cheney, um, um, an, an attorney by the name of Adrian Lotson, who used to work on oh, yeah, the yeah, yeah, NCA yeah. enforcement yeah. staff, mm-hmm. uh, an attorney by the name of Dennis Coleman, yep. who was, well, he's yeah. the um, legal counsel for the ABC, and he was the legal counsel for the BCA back then. And then there was another attorney, and she was probably um, the lead attorney for them, and I can't remember her, recall her name, but she was a uh, I think the the university legal counsel for it, it was Le- I think, not Linda Green. It might have been University, University of Wisconsin. University, uh, yeah, I believe it was. Yeah. It was either Wisconsin or Iowa, one or the mm-hmm. other. But uh, so they all came in on one side of the table, and then on our side of the table, <clears throat> we had um, uh, Sed Dempsey, who was the uh, executive director of the NCA at the time, um, uh, uh, President Crowley, who was the president of, of I think that was the Colorado system. Um, there was a, uh, I think it was Judith Sweet. Uh, mm-hmm. She was a president. Uh, and then, um, uh, then myself, um, um, uh, Prentice Gott, who oh, yeah. was at the time yeah. with the Big 12, or mm-hmm. back then might have been the Big 8, and then uh, this guy by the name of Charlie Whitcomb, who was uh, uh, FAR from the West Coast. And Charlie Whitcomb, Prentice Gott, and myself were the three African Americans on, on the NCA side. So we come in the room, and we're on the other side of the room. And so they come in and I are on the side and you know how you do uh, play that uh, good cop bad cop mm-hmm. uh, you know John's the bad cop and John, John Thompson bad cop John Cheney's he's the good cop John comes in he, the first thing he does he kind of comes in he looks at across the room at us he looks at said Dempsey and says said it's the most blacks you ever brought to a meeting <laughs> <laughs> 
And that just set the tone. <laughs> that set the tone, and that say if Retro ran well, but it was a uh, it's a great experience. And, and, and but out of it, you know, had some you know, but for those guys doing that, and uh, you know, taking a stand, we wouldn't had some of the changes that we had. You know, they mm-hmm. they they ended up getting coming out of that room with um, after a few days of discussions, uh, agreement on the NCA side that they would relook at the in- initial eligibility rules and regulations, make sure there were no disparate impact on minorities uh, with the testing and all these other things and and that they would uh, that we also would create a position at the highest level of the NCA that would look at diversity and inclusion uh, and then that kind of filtered down to the conferences in some mm-hmm. schools um, then they also came away with uh, with a big thing that uh, at the time they had really no funding for the mechanism for the BCA and and they were able to come away with an, an exempt contest uh, teams that would play in a, oh, in a right. basketball tournament would be able to exempt uh, 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 their contests if they played in a BCA Classic. And so that helped generate uh, dollars for for the BCA back then and 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 that was uh you know that was a that was a big thing for for uh the, the start of some real uh movement and uh, and I think uh, obviously in changes and seeing more head coaches being hired and in, in uh on the uh basketball side. Now there's been a decline though. I mean if you look at now if you go fast yeah. forward the yeah. BCA doesn't really exist. Well, it or there're two, right? There're two well, there's almost three. There's there's the the MOAA, which is the Minority Opportunities Athletic Association, that really deals with it, uh, administrators, um, and then there's uh, the AAE, it's called, and that's the new um, BCA. Uh, the BCA kind of uh, uh, look to um, expand its. Um, um, Support from various different uh, uh, organizations and groups, and it, they really this this was a big struggle for over years and years. Uh, it was a, a, a debate um, amongst the BCA um, board on whether or not they ought to change the name so that they can get more sponsorship dollars, more support from this and this. And for years, it kept getting voted down and then finally uh, it, 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 it got passed. So now it's the AAE. Uh, there was another organization that was just created by... The NCAA, uh, right? No, no. The, the, the AAE... Uh, AAE is the NCAA. Under, under, under okay. the, the NCAA is helping them okay. kind of trying to get them to get out on their own with funding and with mm-hmm. location. But um, who was it? Shaka Smart yeah. and... Uh, oh, John Thompson uh, III. Yeah, it might be John Thompson III. And, um, and you know, some other uh, coach. And then um, oh, why am I forgetting his name? At the, uh, you know, at, um, he, he used to be at uh, Merritt Novell. Merritt Novell. Okay. Okay. He they they started an organization, and and I think it's um, you know you know that's how African American strong African American organizations begin to decline. You know, when you start having a schism like that, and exactly. and we've got to figure out a way of really bringing those groups together because their 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 goal and their missions are, are really same. the same. And, and and it's just uh, I think getting people to understand that we we can't we can't operate in, in that fashion. Yeah, and the problem is that and we'll, to, we'll but the problem though is that John was such a a, a mobilizing figure right. that when he said jump mm-hmm. everybody jumped yep. and there is no mobilizing figure like that now I mean you've got some guys and the numbers are shrinking right. football I mean and I think that you have to look at this as it's not an accident Right. I, mean, I mean, it's not. In other words, I think sometimes we tend to. What Walter? I always say that Walter Beach. We have Walter Beach the third. Remember the famous picture 
of the famous picture of Jim Brown with right. Ali, mm-hmm. yeah. Bill Russell. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the guys who organized was Walter Beach III. Okay. He was a defensive back with the Browns at that uh-huh. time. He was he sort of became uh, he was Jim Brown's best friend on the team, right. and uh, he always helped really. Uh, uh, radicalized Jim Brown, right. which is interesting. Today, when people say radicalized, I, mean, I don't want to really, but today you're hearing that word like, who radicalized so-and-so? Right. And you have to ask, yeah. wait a minute. Yes. Yeah. Back then, they said, well, who radicalized you? And then you have to really, de- well, what do you mean radicalized? Mm-hmm. It, 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 that's another segment. That's another <laughs> yeah, show. Yeah, but anyway, he radicalized Jim Brown. Right. <laughs> and back then, wait a minute, who radicalized Jim Brown? <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, but, but yeah. the point is, he said, Walter B. says this guy, and he said, when you don't understand white supremacy and racism and what it is and how it works, you'll be confused by everything you do understand. Mm-hmm. And so that's when we ask these questions, well, how come the, there's no black, you know? Well, because if you had these types of people at Alabama at all, you know, and who are thinking sort of like this and you had all these young black kids, mm-hmm. you know, Maybe the paradigm. Maybe you'd have more Missouris. Sure. You know, maybe you have more Missouris yeah. saying, you know, you guys are not separate from the student body. Right. You guys are one of the same. When you when you come outside the street, you don't wear number eighty one. Right. They don't see you. Do, you know, exactly. so it's, it's, it's. I don't know. Um, and, and it's incumbent. I, I guess think, I do know. Our, it's incumbent <laughs> on our kids um, to 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 really understand what uh, those kids at Missouri did. You know, uh, it it should not be an anomaly. Right. Uh, it should be something that they understand that they, uh, it's almost like they have an obligation to do, right. to be a part of uh, student activism. And, right. And, and uh, it doesn't mean the fa- no longer should you just, because I'm an athlete, I don't get involved in that. It, it's, you really do need to be involved. Because you, you don't really see how, um, how it affects your life and other uh, others' lives uh, uh, is going to affect your kids' lives as they, as they come along, and uh, you know, hope I don't say hope, but hopefully it's not used in a negative way, um, but it's always going to be used in a positive way and to uh, help social change, continue to help with uh, pushing positive mm-hmm. social change. Right, and that, and that was education in itself. It was a national story. Um, if you witness that, and you're an athlete. You know, you see the power right. that you're capable of wielding. Sure. So I don't see how it didn't have an effect. Yeah. Sure. Uh, my guest, uh, my guest has been is Stan Wilcox, is the athletic director of Florida State University. Before we, before we leave, I know we have to talk about James Winston just because he's having a great year. Uh, it was Stan kind of oh, shit, I thought we out of here. <laughs> well, no, but no, you, you, but no, but I mean, I, I, because that's I know I could cover my colleagues there. Gotta ask my James Lennon. So I happen to think James was a, was was the, the the few times I was around him, he seemed like a a a a, a decent guy. I mean, he you know he, he's a good student, all that kind of stuff. But but the, the, I want you to comment whatever how, whatever you could say about James. He's having a great season. James, it looks like he may he could easily be. The rookie of the year. Sure. Um, but what are your thoughts about? Again, there's litigation, so certain things you can't say, and all that. But um, just your 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 thoughts about the odyssey with with, with Jameis. He's having a great season, and you know, J- Jameis is uh, he's one of those that only come along uh, every you know fifty years, or whatever. He is a, a very unique um, uh, and special talent. Um, uh, athletics talent and uh, and his focus 
is is unbelievable. There's no doubt in my mind, and I'm not surprised at all with the success that he's currently having with the Broncos. Uh, and um, and he's going to. Uh, I'm sorry. Did I say Tampa Bay? Tampa Bay yeah. uh, Buccaneers. Yeah. Um, uh, th- I'm not surprised at all with that. And and he's going to have. And he's going to continue to have success. Mm-hmm. What what I'm seeing and what I uh, what I what I see with Jameis right now is that he is he has matured to where he, he's going to be. Um, a superstar. Mm-hmm. He, um, he he's always had the drive. Even in in, in college, he's had that drive, uh, and he had that uh, magnetism in the locker room. Right. Uh, the kids uh, really respected him. He uh, because of his work ethic, uh, because of his um, unwilling to to back down or ever to feel that there that uh, there's there that we're gonna fold and we're going to pack our bags and go home mm-hmm. he was always pushing the envelope and pushing he's going to win this game and uh and he also um you know wanted to be kind of that center of attention uh you know when he's around his his fellow uh athletes and his friends uh the one thing that people don't know about Jameis is that uh i mean he everybody that have ever been around Jameis knows how fun-loving and, and a good guy he is. He, you know, we're we're down there. We're right, tele, uh, um, Florida State is right next to to FAMU, and uh, you know our kids and the FAMU kids they they get along and they you know uh, will be at parties and do things together. Uh, Jameis used to go over there all the time. He was like. Uh, you know, he walk on their campus, and everybody knew him. You know, he 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 never shied away from. Um, you know, I'm too big to to be out. He wanted to be that regular person. He would come to our our volleyball matches. He would come to a uh, soccer game. He was there supporting other other athletes, uh, and that's that's just the way he is. He was he's a really he's a really really good kid, despite. The things that you may have read or seen in the papers about that some of those things are just about adolescence growing up right and mm-hmm. that's uh, but it get it, a different light gets shine on shine, shined on it when you're the Heisman Trophy right so Which you, and that's, that was some of our debate you got to know this you know I, I think one of the things I said though was that my I think when I see his success now and I, I'm, I'm happy for him uh, my, I think the challenge start now. Oh yeah, this is where the challenge starts for him. Not, I think on the field, like you said, there was never really nobody was really stunned. Sure. Now the the, the challenge now is that I don't want to see under the ticker, you know, the ESPN ticker. Sure. I don't want to see anything negative. Sure. You know, sure. and and I think that's where yep. hopefully Lovey and mm-hmm. you call him every day, or, <laughs> or maybe he's just mature to the point where he says. You know, I never want to even go close to that candle again. Sure. You know, so but that but that just that's to me where the challenge is for for Jameis and probably for a lot of is once you reach the mountaintop, how do you maintain? How do you? And, and, you know? and he's still you know he's still young, so right. it's hard to say you know you don't want him to make any more mistakes. And then there are, there are pros and unfortunate cons to that magnetism and that right. openness. Oh yeah. You know? And you know the the thing that Jameis is going to always have uh, in his favor is that you know he has a mother and father that are very supportive of him and mm-hmm. they're always with him and around him. 
uh, and 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 he also has uh, a grandmother that uh, that that is also a very mm. big part of his life. And uh, I, I, I know he does not want to disappoint them. He doesn't ever want to disappoint them. Uh, and uh, and I, you know, obviously with the success that he's having now, um, that uh, that that's a, a big positive. And I and, and I think that uh, he's starting, or he, or he does surround himself with the right people, the people that have kind of the same drive that he has in wanting to be great uh, and uh, and and I think he's taking on that he's take he's taking that challenge and James one thing he never shied away from a challenge he was you know and, and nor did he ever shy away from challenging you know <laughs> you challenge you you but uh, but uh, he's uh, James is uh, you know he's one of a kind he's he's going to have a lot of success in his professional career um, and, and uh, I, you know, I, I hope he uh, continues to, uh, you know, um, you know, he's uh, he and he and I have had a great relationship. And, and you know, there are things that uh, that as an athletic director, I had to pull his coattail on and, and had to had to be the father um, uh, at uh, uh, at the institution and, and tell him, well, you know, this you're not you're not going to do this, you know, and uh, you know, obviously Jimbo had to do the same, and, and Jimbo did it daily, you know, and so hopefully um, uh, we will see, uh, you will continue to see how um, how he's going to grow and be very very successful as a uh, as a professional athlete and as, and as a person in the community, um, mm-hmm. you know, that's the other thing that I think he does. You know, you don't hear much about about the things that he does do in the community. He's he's he he loves being around kids. He loves doing um, charitable uh, work, and uh, um, but he's he's not looking for those accolades, and mm. that's telling about a person. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Time is on his side. Yes. I mean, time is on his side. We could talk and talk and talk, yeah. but time is on his side. In other words, we'll see oh. in two years, three, five, ten, fifteen years. Now we'll. You know, be able to say, but I, I want him to do well. I want to see him do well. Uh, you know, him, Cam Newton, Russell, Russell Wilson. Right. You know, about to take this over, brother. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, hey, listen. Hey, my guest is uh, Stan Wilcox, the uh, head coach. Uh, I'm head coach, <laughs> Leonard. I didn't mean that, man. We're not, we're not, we're not breaking any news here. You're all right. <laughs> but my uh, I, I have had some people say that I look like Leonard. But I think it's just the bald head. <laughs> no, man. No, no, no. If somebody says that, man. You know. But anyway, hey, uh, Stan, thank you so much. Uh, Carl, Carl Hicks was very quiet over there. Just guess we must have been okay, right? We didn't. It was a great we didn't cross any lines. Yeah, what is that, by the way? What is that? Anyway, hey, listen. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen. Thank, thank you guys very much. Good luck uh, at the Chick Fil A Bowl oh, on on New Year's Eve, Houston, in, in, in Houston, at, against Houston, against Houston. Yes. And uh, listen, everybody, have a tremendous. Continue to have a great holiday season. God bless. Keep tuning in, and uh, we love you. Bye.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.